Welcome, finally, to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. And and today, it's taken a long time. Hello. More problems. Well, I don't know if anybody can hear me. This is like the first show all over again. I've had some problems in the studio. Um, If Baron is out there, give me a call, and then we'll find out if this thing's working. All right. I I am on the phone here now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. Well, I think uh, there might be a caller or two or a listener or two left out there. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I had my usual. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Somebody just uh, somebody from Facebook. God bless you, Elena. They she can hear us. Um, so I have some problems with the studio. Not to, uh, not for the first time. But anyway, my guest tonight. You heard him. He saved me. Baron R. Bircher spent a number of years as a professional musician and founded an independent record label and management company. Critics have hailed Barron's writing as the real deal and his plots as taut, gritty, and powerfully controlled. His first two novels were Los Angeles Times Independent Mystery Booksellers Association bestsellers, and he has been nominated for a number of literary awards, including the Nero Award, Claymore Awards, the Lefty, and I believe he's a three-time Silver Falchion Award winner, which is pretty amazing. Barron currently divides his time between Portland, Oregon, and Kona, Hawaii. This latest book, Fistful of Rain, featuring the return of Ty Dawson, just came out. Welcome, Baron R. Bircher. Well, thanks very much. It's great to be here. So how long were you on hold before I uh, got the studio up and running? Ten minutes? About five minutes, but I was listening to some very snappy uh, music on hold music. Could you could you hear me screaming on the during the on hold music? <laughs> no, I, I heard no screaming or cursing. Oh well, you missed out. Well, so you're you're lucky because you avoided the uh, uh, green room chit chat beforehand. So we're going raw here. Um, <laughs> but I want to say I really enjoyed a fistful of rain. It was a terrific read. Um, you're really a talented writer. Have a real way with uh, dialogue. But tell our listeners a little bit about it and uh, Ty Dawson. Well, uh, Ty Dawson was introduced in last year's uh, last year's book that was called uh, South California Purples. Uh, we'll talk about the weird title later. But uh, <laughs> I like this one, uh, right? Yeah, well, they're they're both songs, of course. At uh, uh, South California Purples was a uh, an old song by Chicago, and Fistful of Rain is an old song by Warren Zevon. I don't know if you knew that. Well, you I did not. I listened to Chicago a lot when I was young. But anyway, I don't want to interrupt you. So tell us about Ty. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what I what I want to do is uh, you know I've had a series that was set in Hawaii, hard boiled uh, PI, uh, retired LA cop, set in contemporary times, and what I really wanted to do is kind of change it up a little bit. And uh, Ty Dawson was born out of a desire of mine to kind of separate my hero from contemporary tools like the Internet and cell phones and DNA and all that kind of stuff and really harken back to what was available in the early 70s, which was essentially uh, fingerprints and shoe leathers. And to compound that, you know, of course, the, the early 70s was going through... Uh, all of the social upheaval that had kind of been born in the late 60s. And I wanted to kind of have that be the backdrop for Ty Dawson, a uh, 40-something, you know, a a youngish man in full, if you will. But he's a cattleman. He's in a small town in uh, southern Oregon. He's a traditionalist uh, in a very traditional business. And uh, contemporary times kind of come to his town. They visit him, and he's called in to uh, become a uh, an, uh, arbiter, I guess, you, a, a deputy's assistant in the first book. And he ends up being the sheriff, which is where we start in uh, Fistful of Rain. 
picks up right where South California Purple leaves off, and that's uh, about 1974. And uh, Ty Dawson's now the sheriff of this little town, and uh, still coping with the 70s and all of all of what that means to him. You called him a traditionalist. So, what did that mean in the early 70s? Well, uh, you know, it was it was a time. I, I suspect you're uh, you're somewhat younger than I, but you know, it, not a whole it, lot. <laughs> well, then you remember. Uh, I was a teenager in uh, in '74. I was uh, in my early teens, and what I remember most was the music and the culture and watching television and watching body counts on the Huntley Brinkley report. Yeah. And, you know, this, when you're a young person, this is normal. This is what, this is just what life looks like. And I really got curious, and obviously by necessity when it came time to write these books, but in doing the research as to what was really going on, what was my dad thinking when I was a 14-year-old sitting around the the dinner table? What, What was he worried about on my behalf? And there was a lot to be spooked about. We had the Vietnam War. The draft was still going on, even though it was beginning to wind down. But, uh, you know, that was a devastating situation. We had yeah. upheavals in uh, in colleges. We had political unrest. We had just gotten finished with Watergate, really shaking up everything we thought we knew about government. Uh, nobody trusted each other. Uh, the Bronx was on fire, literally. Uh, New York was about to go bankrupt. The the country was really in sorry, sorry shape. And uh, kind of having a a horrible hangover from the happy Eisenhower-Kennedy times. And uh, it was was revealing itself in in pretty much every facet of American life. You know, it's it's just in hearing you describe the time, uh, which you actually actually from – Doing the math, I think I actually might be older than you, but um, by a year or two. But, um, but certainly, I remember the time. It was extremely divisive. And what I found really interesting about this book and kind of refreshing, to be honest, um, is that you uh, you did take a very divisive time in our countries, you know, and um, you looked at you didn't really. I didn't feel your, um, which I don't know what it is, but I didn't feel your point of view in there. I was told a story. A good story, and I got Ty's um, point of view, but it wasn't. Um, he's a little bit kind of even though he's a traditionalist, he's a little bit kind of the middle. I mean, there were, to me, there were definitely there were definitely um, there were villains for sure, but it wasn't the villains weren't tied to a certain um, necessarily a certain way of thinking. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, and I really, I really, it was so refreshing nowadays. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I really wanted to keep the you know ideology out of it and just try to, to view it as uh, um, three-dimensionally as I could, you know, and just try to, to paint a picture in, in three dimensions, you know. And, and I wanted to bring in the music, and I wanted to bring in what people really were worried about. And, you know, Ty Dawson, he's, as I pointed out, he's, he's, a, he's a 45-year-old kind of guy, and no. he's got a girl, a, a daughter, who's in college, and she's in the thick of it. And so he worries for her, even when she's not worried. So he sees through her eyes, and I think that it tempers a lot of uh, of his thinking, and it colors a lot of his behavior. And I like that. It softens him uh, a little bit. And, and, you know, at the same time, he takes a very, very hard line on the things that, um, as a hard-boiled hero should and would, uh, he takes a hard line on the things that are are running afoul of the law and of what uh, is acceptable in his town. Yeah, and of course he is the law. So I mean, he always he has to have he has to uphold the law. Um, I want to go back to him though a little bit about his background because I believe um, I read you sent me the arc um, a long time you know three or four months ago I think it was, and yeah. uh, so it's been a while since I read it. But I believe in the um, in, in the um, dedication, you dedicated a kind of to uh, cattlemen and ranchers, right? Don't you have some of them in your family? Yeah, you know, I, w- I was raised on a small ranch, a horse ranch in Southern California back when oh. uh, 
back when there was uh, land to run horses and cattle on. And uh, the book is dedicated to my dad and my uncle and my grandfather, yeah. all of whom uh, we all lived together on this ranch. And all of our families were all, you know, we all had our houses on this ranch. And I was raised with horses and riding, you know, just out in the, in the hills around Dana Point and San Juan Capistrano. Oh. Wow, and, beautiful country. Uh, you know, it was just miles and miles of Irvine Ranch and uh, Mission Viejo Ranch, and you know, it, it was very agrarian back then. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that perspective certainly was a was a fond remembrance for me. Yeah, and it it, it uh, showed too. It was it was a real nice dedication. Um, well, thank so you. this is uh, oh, you're welcome. This is book two of Ty Dawson. Right. Um, by the way, that's a, that's a great that's a great I think it's a great name for uh, <laughs> Thank you. for a sheriff. You know, I mean, you could use. I mean, there's a little bit of western in here, to, to my way of thinking. Of course, um, you know, beyond the horses and the ranch and such. But, but Ty Dawson, Ty Dawson is a great sheriff's name. Um, so this is book well, two. I Are we going to see? That. I, I, I labor. You know, well, of course, you you know exactly how it is. You really labor over names to make sure yeah. that they uh, they suit the. The behavior of, of what that person is going to ultimately do. Yeah, names are names are tough, and uh, I I think you uh, you hit it with him, and you also hit it with your earlier series, which I'll get to in a second. Mike Travis. I mean, has there ever been a good like uh, ex cop or PI named Mike Travis? Is that a, was Mike Travis a, 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 a tip of the hat to um, um, Travis McGee? Travis McGee. <laughs> yeah. There you yeah go. Absolutely. It, it absolutely was. Well, Rick Cahill's initials are RC, which is a hat tip to Raymond Chandler. Um, so well, you know, uh, that, that's great. I I should have known that. Oh no, no, you shouldn't. Have. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I had, to go, I had to go with an RC. I had to go up with an RC. Uh, so, is there another Ty um, Dawson book? Is that what's next? That's uh, that's what's in the works right now. Uh, we're I should be wrapping up the manuscript here shortly. Yeah, you should. <laughs> so I was always trying to wrap up that manuscript when the next one, the other one comes out, right? It's yeah, well, exactly. And, and you, you know how it goes when everybody, uh, you know, when they ask you, well, so, you know, what's this book about? And you go, God, you know, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I know what the one I'm writing is about. Exactly. Can't remember. Um, in some cases. You know, that, cases, by the way, is that not the hardest question anybody can ask you? So what's it is your for book me. about? Yeah, it, it is for me when, uh, you know, at this age, I guess, because you could be at a conference. Your book could have come out like almost a year ago. So you're at a conference talking about that book that came out. You have a book that's coming out in a couple months that you wrote last year, and now you're writing another book. And so I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. Anyway, that's life. Um, <laughs> well, plus, you know, it's it's 350 or whatever pages of, right. you know, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, books are about all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes, sometimes stuff they you wish you hadn't put in there, but that's usually when you're <laughs> when you're at a book signing and you read the first chapter, you go, "Oh man, I should have cut that." Um, so we mentioned Mike Tra- the Mike Travis series, which uh, actually I think he did four books, and you got a lot of notoriety, a lot of acclaim, and, and nominations. Why did you uh, stop him? I think you sort of touched on it on the earlier. Well, I. I uh, get, a really weird thing happened to me with with Mike. You know, he he's set in uh, uh, Kona, Hawaii, of course, yeah. and it, it, and that's you know where I live part time. And um, yeah. so you know, I was really enjoying doing all of that stuff. And there was a character that popped up in the uh, in the second or third Mike Travis book, and I really liked this guy, but he was kind of a, a secondary, tertiary kind of a character. And I sat down. And I started writing a, uh, I wanted to flesh out a, a bigger world for him. So I, I wrote kind of in, in short story form. I was just writing a character sketch for this character. And I really dug it. And, and it started kind of going, it just kind of took off, which doesn't often happen to me. So when it does, I just let it, let it roll. And so I did that. And it kept going and kept going, and it became what what became the backbone of my so far first and only standalone called Rain Dogs. Right. But what it really is is a is the backstory of one of Mike Travis's 
tertiary characters. So it, it, he had, I had intended for that to have been a Mike Travis story, but it kind of got away from me. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I, I swung back, uh, you know, had finished that, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I got this Western, you know, contemporary Western thing that's just burning a hole in my brain, and I, I gotta, I gotta get that down. And South California Purples was the result. Yeah, I think that's. I think that your your um, process sounds a little bit similar to mine. Um, kind of messed up, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's certainly working well for you. Well, it's working well for you because look what look just being open to uh, possibilities. Look what happened is you got a standalone out of that, and you it's built onto something else. So, um, I think my my. Um, my lesson for myself is to always listen to the subconscious. Um, sometimes it leads you astray, but not always. Um, so let's go back. Let's go to the music. <laughs> this is interesting. Um, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. I didn't because I listened to Chicago when I was really young. I didn't know that uh, the title of the uh, was South Southern California. What, no, what's the, the purple one? South California Purples. It was on their Chicago Transit Authority album. That really the first one, the black one. I'm sure I know it. I'm sure I've heard oh, it. Oh, yeah, you'd, you'd know yeah. you'd know the guitar riff in the first eight seconds of that thing. Cool. Yeah, because uh, that was back when uh, my uh, sister, older sisters, and brother had LPs, which I would listen to when they were they were gone. I wasn't allowed to. Listen oh, to is that were, the bad? But, yeah, that's the yeah. best. So what did you? That's what how did I you listen play? to music too. Was stealing stealing it from my brother and my sister and playing it on their uh, record players when they were away. Well, exactly, and then but you know sometimes they come home. Um, so, do you, are you a guitarist? Yeah, I, I am a guitar player, and uh, I used to write songs and sing, and you know that kind of stuff. Had a uh, country rock band for a number of years, and uh, had a blast. Really had a wow. great time. But I, I found I had a uh, as much as I enjoyed it. Uh, I was probably more gifted at the business element of it than I was the uh, performance element of it. Well, which is you started a uh, a label and a management company, right? Yeah, the label came first and did that with. Uh, in, in fact, the first the first artist that I signed was. You're a Southern California guy, so you probably yep. remember a band called Honk. Oh, hell, I saw them in concert. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw them, they probably played at your high school. I saw them with Santana and Chicago. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were really going gangbusters and uh, signed to a major label and all that stuff, and it was all very exciting. They were a Laguna Beach band. In, but uh, the guitar player and one of, you know, they were all, they all wrote songs and sang, and uh, they're a great band. But the guitar player was a guy who uh, I signed on that as my first artist to uh, do a solo album, and it was a beautiful, beautiful album. I'll send you a copy of it. It's a, it's a beautiful record. Absolutely, you had to be a kid. Started. You had to, you had to be very young. Well, yeah, I, I was. I was in my uh, late twenties, early thirties. Okay, so this was after. But this is after Honk was kind of. Yeah, big, Honk, right? Honk had, yeah. had come and gone. Right, and you know they and they still you know they still come around and do reunion things and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, they they were kind of done as a as a business entity. And Rich Steckel, who I used to see play from time to time, I said, you know, you gotta you gotta get this stuff recorded. Some people need to hear this. So this this show um, is about um, technical difficulties, and not about me. But I have a quick honk story for you. Oh, perfect. Um, Let's hear it. When I was 15, we went to the old Balboa Stadium, which has been torn down. And it was it was honk, uh, like I said, Santana and Chicago, and I think in that order. Yeah, so we were, yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was like one of the, it might have been the first concert I ever went to. I think I was 15. And uh, I won't tell you what we did, but well, I'll tell you how we got. Mark. Yeah, I'll tell you how we got home. So we got we got dropped off by our parents. This is what back in those days when you're 15, your parents dropped you off to concert. Don't even think about it. So we got dropped off. We had no way of getting home. A friend of mine's big brother, at the advanced age of 18, 
drove us all home, 15 boys and girls of age oh around God. 15, in a Vega hatchback. <laughs> <laughs> we had 15, 15 kids. No in there. laws yeah. being broken there, right? No, and, and no, and we we saw cops, but they were going the other way. Anyway, so that's uh, that's a little interlude. Um, but yeah, so I'll never forget that concert. <laughs> I've forgotten many since, but not that one. Uh, yeah, so that is a great hawk story. So are the is the label and the management company still viable after all these years? Uh, they they are gone. They uh, they one by one they peeled off, got sold, and and uh, the management company was came later. And that I was in up until about oh four or five years ago, wow. and then I got out of that. So, what brought you from uh, the music industry to writing crime fiction? Um, I'm guessing you were looking for something that paid even less than music. Yeah, I was. I was trying to. Yeah, I, I was trying to find something that requires more time and pays less. <laughs> right. Eighteen cents an hour. <laughs> now, I, you know, I'm sure probably like like every writer. And every reader, we are avid readers. We're monsters for reading. Right. And uh, I grew up on the Hardy Boys. And from there, I think, uh, then I started sneaking, uh, like, Joseph Lambaugh books. And then I oh, thought, yeah. you know, th- that is, that's the real deal there. And uh, just got hooked on crime fiction and read everything. My, my buddy and I would read everything about cops and crime that we could get our hands on. He ended up going to work for the uh, sheriff's department and did 25 years with them. Wow! And uh, he and I—he's still kind of my technical advisor on uh, police procedural matters. And we we just had a great time. And I had always wanted to write a book. And I found a, a moment in time, you know, sort of between the record label and the management company, where I thought, you know what? This this is my moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that book. So I I, did, I sat down and wrote the book. Without you you will appreciate this matter I think because something tells me that you kind of went about it the same way. But I didn't read a, any how to write a book, how to get an agent, how to do. I didn't read any of that stuff. And God, am I glad I didn't because if I had, I would have never uh-huh. written the book. If you certainly read, if you read how to get an agent before you start writing a book, you certainly would never write. I actually oh, did no, read those terrifying. books, but after I wrote, yeah, yeah. So you know, sitting down when ignorance was bliss uh, was awesome, and it was a super fun experience. Even enjoyed the editing process. Everything was brand new. Going through the you know the the uh, query letter part, even that part didn't freak me out that much. You know, because coming up through the entertainment business, there's there is more than enough rejection for everybody. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I was relatively prepared for it. Although, you know, when it's when it's aimed at you, it feels different. Yeah. Um, you know, I I have the I have. A, not not an entertainment industry, but I, I've been in sales since um, since I my first job. Well, I worked in a restaurant, and then since I've been uh, 33, I've been in sales. So I oh, rejection's man. all See, part of it. That's way tougher than the entertainment thing. Well, it's just rejection, but you're not being re- you're not being rejected. Your company's being rejected, and um, I'm not a great salesman, but I'm decent. But what I find funny is that I'm although I'm getting better at it, I have a hard time sometimes selling myself when. Um, you know, and it's just you. You're the product. But anyway, um, see the yeah, well, there. you know what? I totally, totally feel the same way. And, and when you're writing a book, it, that is the furthest thing from your mind, right? Right. So this book that you wrote, did it um, become your first book? Yeah, it did. It uh, that was uh, it became Roadhouse Blues, uh-huh. and uh, I I drew on uh, my lifelong continuing fascination with uh, Jim Morrison and the Doors. And uh, wove it together with a crime story set in uh, L.A. And that's the only Travis book that isn't set in Hawaii. That's kind of where it launched was from there. But when you've got the doors as the centerpiece of your story, you, you can't go right. too far from L.A. All right. L.A. woman. Um, so how long, this is like the last, I ask every writer that I know, because I probably can beat you 
in the length. How long from writing? I'm guessing when you started it, it was maybe on a um, legal pad or a floppy disk like me, or maybe even a typewriter. I don't know. How long from first words to accepted uh, from the publisher? Not published, but accepted. Oh, lordy. Wow. That's, uh, wow. I bet it was close to three years. (laughs) It's nothing. Three years. That's congratulations. It took me 11. <laughs> How long was yours? 11. You what? Yeah, it took me 11, and I and I and I was I was that guy who was never going to get published because he kept rewriting that first book, and that's what I did. I rewrote what, what, yesterday's echo like that, seven times. Is that where the time went, Matt? Was it uh, was it uh, buffing the book, or was it, you could not have been knocking on doors for 10 years? No, well, no. I mean, I'm talking from floppy disk. Uh, so probably it took me to, before I. Well, that's a good. Yeah, actually, you know, you just cut the time. But from um, submitting to publication, probably six or seven years. Probably took yeah. me. Well, no, maybe so, I'd say at least seven. Uh, yeah, and, and I did probably four rounds of uh, of submissions to agents before I was um, accepted. Anyway, once again, we very yeah, to be. Well, it, it is uh, it is to all of our great delight that you did, and uh, it, you, it, your books your books are, are awesome. Cahill is a bitching character, and I'm really impressed by uh, you, your publisher and the way that they that they treat the Cahill series. It's really really nicely put together. I mean, beautiful product wise. And of course, you know the the art the uh, art of the writing, the authorship is top notch. So. Well, you're too kind. Thanks. I, you, I'm sure. I, I I hope you feel it was worth the wait because it was for us. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you, I can tell you how many years. You can tell me how many years. But now, from writing now writing books, it doesn't seem like it took that long. Now it doesn't seem. It seems like almost nothing now, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does to me. That's, that, that's uh, I love that question. I'm glad you asked people that question because I hadn't thought about it in you know quite some time. Um, so we got a little bit about. Um, I, I was you were saying you were you know the readers were happy that I did whatever, but I'll bet the readers are really happy that Pam Stack gave me a show that I don't even know how to handle to get on the darn air. This is like the third time I've had some sort of technical difficulty, and you. As a friend of the show, it's ironic that you would be on one of these things that I screwed up. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's apropos. I've been with you since the very first broadcast. Yeah, the four minutes. Or, or in, in the case of the first broadcast, the first non-broadcast. That's right. Yes. We'll try, John. I thought I had everything sealed up, but now I know I, know I did wrong today. Um, so talk a little bit about your uh, writing process because it sounds like – this is what I actually heard somebody else say this, but I thought I came up with it. But I think it's around, out. I think it's in the ether. People that write like me, who are um, I won't say undisciplined, but uh, unorganized, we call it organic. I'm sensing you're a bit of an organic writer. You know, part. I think I am where scenes are concerned. That my books. I'm fascinated by the uh, the butterfly effect in just life in general. Mm-hmm. And how little bitty things that you don't even know about can affect your life, and then then you recognize it plain as day when looking backwards. But I like to try to weave that into the narratives of my books. So when you've got nested narratives like that, I I find that you you have to have the architecture pretty firmly entrenched, at least in your mind, before you sit down. Otherwise, it's you really go down the rabbit hole fast. I've been there. Uh, at least I do. But so I. No, go ahead. You know, so I, I tend to do a little bit of uh, uh, a little bit more um, outlining, in terms of plot direction, is really kind of what I do. And then, you know, when I, you know, when I have a scene to write, that's that's when we just kind of let it rip, and uh, it's it's really fun. I, I for me, it's kind of the best of both worlds. But I do have a uh, I, I have an odd. I don't know how hot it is, but it's it's mine. Uh, a ritual that that I've done from the very beginning, from the first book, and that is that you know I, I like to have a title first, 
uh, which I'd like mm. to hear your take on that too. But I'd huh. like to write to a title. Wow. That gives you direction yeah. right from the go. Yeah, well, it does for me. It helps. It gives me a target. It gives me an aiming point, and it gives me a sense uh, of how I want it to be rhythmically and how I want it to feel and, and where where it should take place in terms of geography and so forth. You know, it, the title can tell you a lot about how you, how your story should unravel itself. Um, but beyond that, then, what I'll do is I like to create a playlist of songs, a literal playlist of, you know, 10, 15 songs that, to me, embody what would be sort of the soundtrack of, of the book were it a, were it a movie. And it's the only music I'll allow myself to listen to until the book's done, which provides its own kind of motivation after a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. Do you do any? Do you, hey, unbelievable! We have a caller. They probably thought they're getting hold of some other show. Let me uh, <laughs> let me bring them in. Hello, caller. I think I know who this is from the three hundred five area code. <laughs> I, I thought so. It's my boss. You know. Uh, <laughs> colleague. Hi, Mr. Mercher. How are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. How are you? Pam I'm Pam Stack. Stack. I'm, I'm a, a friend of Matt's and a, a colleague. I have a, another show in the network. Um, I, I have to tell you that I was looking through your photo gallery on your website, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Is, is there someone on there who's your favorite? Of all of those photos that are on there, is there one that's really particularly you're fond of? Oh God! What a fun question that is. Uh, you know what? I I think my favorite moment because the photograph kind of captures what was happening at the moment. There's a picture of me and Randy Meisner from the Eagles. Yes. And we were backstage at a show he was doing in uh, Hawaii, and we just got yapping about uh, the Desperado album, and he uh. lit up. And we we ended up talking for about 45 minutes. His wife was pacing back and forth behind him, like, will you come on? I, I want to go back to the room or whatever, wherever she wanted to go. Listening to me yammer on about Desperado and listening to him tell me war stories was just not what she wanted to do. And we were laughing. He is the sweetest, kindest guy. We had a blast. And I, I love that photograph because it was kind of right in the middle of that. Well, I have to tell you, my favorite one is with um, Hunter S. Thompson. Do you have a, show, oh, a story? You can can you share a story about him? <laughs> well, that particular uh, where that picture was taken was hysterical. Uh, it was backstage at New Orleans Jazz Fest. Ah. Um, it, it was the first year that Jimmy Buffett ever played there, and I can't remember when that was. I wanted to, I don't know, early nineties. It, wow. It's all a fog now. I, I'm sure. We were we were backstage at uh, Jazz Fest. Buffett's about to go on, and they have this circle of trailers where all the where all the artists are. You know, it's their dressing rooms and so forth. Yes. And it is hotter than blazes, and the uh, you couldn't get ice anywhere. Well, I brought a backpack. I had a like a cooler backpack kind of thing, and I jammed it with ice from my hotel before I left because I was banking on this being a problem. And I, I didn't want to be drinking hot beer or hot anything else. And uh, so I had this backpack full of ice, and it's dripping all over me and stuff. Well, Hunter Thompson's hanging out with Jimmy Buffett, and he sees me with this glass, and it's all brimming with ice. And when, the minute he saw that, he made a beeline for me. And he said, where'd you get that? And I said, my hotel. <laughs> he said, well, can, can you have some ice? And he had a glass. Of, it had to be one of those, like, 32-ounce glasses. The thing was easily half full of straight vodka. Wow. And he said, wow. I, I, could, I could really use a little of that ice if you can spare some. And I said, if you'll take a picture with me, you got it. And there <laughs> it is. What a great story. Um, you've had a remarkable life, and I'm going to hang up and listen to the rest of the show. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And, Matt, your show's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I thought you were calling in to fire me, so thanks. <laughs> it's a blast to talk to you, Pam, and uh, uh, I'm glad you made Matt do this. Uh, thank you. So am I. 
he's um, one of the superstars in the network, I have to tell you. Uh, he's got a great interview style, doesn't he? Well, he does. Right. You know, just, he's a superstar there and everywhere else, right? He just there can't you help go. Himself. I think so. I, I when think I can so. Be, when I can be heard, I'm not bad. <laughs> it was really Thanks, nice Pam. speaking to you. Thanks for the honor, and have a good uh, night. Thanks, Pam. Bye. Sure thing. Um, well, see, that's oh, why nice she's lady. a pro. That's why she's a pro. She she comes up with these uh, Hunter Thompson questions that uh, I didn't have. Man, so. that, those, she's good. Yeah, she's good. She's been doing it for a while. Yeah, she knows. She actually knows how to get on the air, so that makes her a pro. <laughs> um, <laughs> So before we go, I got a couple more questions. Uh, for one, you live in Portland and Kona, which are uh, two nice places to live. How do you manage that? Uh, How does that work? Well, at the at the moment, I have to say, you know, prayers for all the people on the Big Island that are dealing right. with the uh, Kilauea. I'm uh, I'm here on the mainland right now. In fact, I'm down in San Clemente right now. I'm getting ready to do a couple of plannings. This weekend. That's right. Which, by the way, since I mentioned it, now I'm going to shamelessly plug it. Do you mind? No, I was going to ask you, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, tomorrow, doing uh, a signing at Mystery Inc. in Huntington Beach at 5 Debbie p.m. Mitch. Uh, yes, absolutely. And Sunday with Ann over at Book Carnival in Orange, and that'll be Love at 2 p.m. Love that store. And then next Great weekend, store. I'm going to be down on your stomping ground. I'm going to be at Mysterious Galaxy. Uh, yeah. On Saturday the twelfth, and I'll be down right. there at oh three o'clock, I think. Yeah, I, I was. I think I already told you that um, I was going to go, but uh, I'm going to Gator by the Bay, which is this um, Zydeco uh, fest they have every year down in San Diego by the airport. But I am going what? to uh, leave my book for you to sign. <laughs> right on. Well, that that's awesome. I I appreciate that. I'm sorry to miss you. I was uh, I was yeah, hoping to buy you a beer or something. Um, well, there have to be ice in it. Um, you know what? We got another caller. I am going to uh, take the call. Area code five five nine. You're on uh, Crime Corner. Who's this? This is Terrell. Terrell. How are you, Matt? Good. How are yes. you? Oh, Terrell. I'm good. From yes, Northern Terrell. California. Yeah. Yes. I, I've been. Me. We haven't heard for for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I, I've been working late, so I haven't been home during your show. Um, I did purchase South California Purples last night when I saw he was going to be on the show, and I, I get usually get audios for most of my books these days, and I wondered if Fistful of Rain is going to be out in audio anytime soon. You know, I, I, thank you for asking. Uh, South California Purples is on audio. I, I assume you bought that on audio? Yes, I did. Uh, it, and Fistful of Rain, I thought was going to be, although I haven't seen it. But that, uh, but then again, I haven't really seen the hard cover of it yet. I left home before uh, my author copies got to my house, so I, I haven't even seen the book yet. They're they're but, just showing the hard cover on Amazon right now. Yeah. Uh, I oh, that. you know, I I think it is supposed to be, but I haven't seen hide or hair of it yet. So I I cannot promise that. I I hope they do. They did a beautiful job with uh, purples. I thought. Yes, it was very well done. It um, um, he got a good he had a good cadence for most of the scenery and the remarks, and it, it sounded very much like the sort of person portrayed in the book. So uh, beautiful. I, well, I I'm glad to hear that. Yes, I enjoyed it a lot. Well, thank you. Well, well, thank you, Terrell. Terrell, uh, because I yes. screwed the uh, the opening up of the show, I didn't I didn't have um, I didn't have Baron on for um, the little talk beforehand. But one of us can send you a book for calling in. So um, I have a good question. So uh, I, I think I, I will be delighted to be an honor. I think if I scroll back, sure. I can find your. Um, I think I can find your address, but why don't you instant message me and with it, or you can email me, and we'll make sure you sure. get something. Sure. All I right. appreciate it. Great well, to hear you. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. I'm nice back. to talk to you. Thanks. So that's, uh, I think that's a record, two call-ins for the show. Um, congrats. Well, we'd like to set records. This is what we're all about. Hey, uh, I want to ask you, because I really enjoyed the dialogue. I think you do a really good job with dialogue. Do you does that come easy to you because of perhaps songwriting? 
Yeah, that is a huge compliment, especially coming from you, because I, I, I really uh, respect what you do with yours as well. And dialogue to me is a blast, and yeah. I'm really trying to you know to use it. I, I once I bet you've read this one too. Uh, Sam Shepard from time to time. Obviously, he was a playwright, and a Pulitzer sure. Prize winning one at that. But from time to time, he would write short stories that were maybe three or four pages long where he would never identify who was speaking. He wouldn't even put quotes around anything. It would just be two guys talking to each other. And, and you could tell exactly what was going on and everything that you need to know about the parties in the story without one utterance about really any background or, or any backstory. And I thought that was really brilliant. And I, I always have that in mind now when I'm writing and thinking about how to, to really draw more out of dialogue and how to make sure that the dialogue uh, reflects properly on the character and that, that that's something that that person really would say versus you know, you know, delivering the same message with different words. And right. vocabulary means something, and cadence means something, and uh, you know you you can tell a lot about a, a character's educational background, or uh, you know, or, or lack thereof, or his upbringing, or his frames of reference, just by the way he he says things. And uh, I I love to do that. It's kind of a game, and I really enjoy it. But. Yeah, I guess to answer your question, I'm kind of an auditory guy anyway, sure. so maybe right. maybe it, it's just something I'm, I'm sort of dialed in on. Do you have uh, we have another caller? Do you have uh, problems with writing dialogue for women? Uh, no, I, actually, I, I had one of the nicest compliments the other day from from. Uh, Someone that said that was complimenting the the female characters in these books, and it said, you know, I, I really I really like the way that you write women. They're they're uh, they're strong and they're opinionated, but they're not uh, uh, over the top or anything. And um, I guess where female dialogue for me comes from is just a frame of reference for the women that that I have had in my life, and I've been really blessed with having strong uh, women of great character around me a lot. Well, it comes from the ranch. You know, I'm going to grab this call because it's endless today. Um, Erico614, thanks for calling in. Who's this? Hey, Matt, it's John Hagenberger. Hey, John. Hey, Hey, Baron, how are you? Awesome. Since you guys are talking dialogue, um, I just started uh, working a lot more, dropping all the dialogue tags. I know that takes it down in the weeds a little bit, but what do you guys think about that? Uh, is it a fad or a trend, maybe? Um, I actually, my first draft of, or, well, my first, um, yeah, I think my first draft of my first book, I think I may actually sent it out this way, I'm not sure, had uh, no tags, only beats. I just I wanted to write a book without any, and it was um, stupid. I, I mean, to try to do an entire book was kind of stupid. It was fun. It was something. Uh, that's a, was, that's I, a super cool challenge, though, isn't it? That, that's it was that's sure. Really like yeah. what we were just talking about with uh, with Shepard. Yeah, I don't use a mu- I don't really don't use tags that much, um, but I do. There are times where I feel that you got to stick one in there just so people don't lose. Especially, you know, uh, lose their place. Like, who's who's saying what? Sure. I mean, sure. It's hard to be that distinctive. Maybe Baron can be that distinctive where he doesn't need me, but <laughs> no, I, I I have not gotten uh, not gotten there. That's for sure. But yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I, I kind of do it the same way. I, I I remove as many tags as humanly possible, but every once in a while you got to drop one in just so that you remember, you know, who's who. Well, John, it's, it's do, a courtesy you, tag, doing really, is what it is. Pardon? <laughs> it's a courtesy tag. Right. So, John, when you're doing that, do you feel like sometimes, and you're like you're putting in um, um, beats that don't that obligatory beats? I mean, like beats that don't necessarily belong, or they're or they're 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 too much like other beats because you don't have a, a tag. 
This is a Luigi. No, I, it's, a, it's an exhilarating experience for me because um, it forces me to pay more attention to what is this character physically doing um, instead of just standing there right. spouting dialogue. Uh, and that brings the story a lot more alive uh, than just he said or asked or remarked. Right. Know? Right. That that's it, it, I think I agree with that. But sometimes it, I find multiple beats can be a little bit intrusive. Um, but I think actually Baron kind of touched on it earlier in that, and and also with the, uh, the Sam Shepard is that having the um, the voices be so distinctive where you don't really need them. But that's pretty hard to get to. I know I haven't gotten there. Oh, by the way, well, here, I gotta make, nice I gotta spend, put it all together. Pardon? It's a nice blend to put these different right. tricks all together to make it really come alive. Right. Yeah, that's hey, absolutely um, for sure. I wanted to make mention that Elena, a uh, friend of the show, Elena Smith, um, she's, she likes, Baron, she thinks you're pretty smart because she loved Courtesy Tag. And what was the other one here? <laughs> Hold on, let me find her here on uh, direct message. Nested Narratives. When you said nested narratives, that got me too. Um, and then you came up with courtesy, courtesy tags. Yeah, I think you have a new reader out there. <laughs> Elena Smith, who is a writer. Hearty, Elena. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Anyway, John, well, thanks for calling in. What's you, uh, you bet, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Hey, thanks for that, John. Take care. That's a, uh, it, it, it is in the weeds, but it's a, it's a good point. It's interesting. Um, yeah, it, it absolutely is. And it is the stuff that we, that we kind of agonize over, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, I I heard something. You'll appreciate this. I heard uh, somebody say this. It, actually, it was it was David Gilmore when being asked about uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Somebody asked him, you know, how how cool is that to know that you were a part of this Pink Floyd thing, this monster that has lived for thirty, forty years on the charts, pretty much incessantly. Uh, you know. How about that? Tell me about that. And he said, you know, um, I, I, obviously I'm very proud of the work and all of that, but he said, you, do you realize that I've never heard the album the way that you have? Right, right. And I thought, well, isn't that true? And I've yeah. never thought of that. And, and authors never get to read their own work the, the, the way that a reader gets to read it. Oh. And, um, you know, that's... The, I think it's just an interesting point of view. Um, authors do get to read their work quite though. As I'm thinking I have to read uh, the newest book for uh, edit. Um, it's amazing how many times you read your book before it comes goes to print. By the way, Elena just bought one of your books on Nook. So um, thank the, you, uh, Elena. Courtesy tag and rested you... narratives came up with it. I mean, it made the deal. <laughs> So, uh, well, let, let me know how you like it, please. Uh, she will. She's uh, she will find you, and she'll let you know. She's a very great correspondent. So awesome. um, we talked about your tour. How did uh, well? Never mind. I'm gonna catch you that. We talked about your tour. So how do people reach you on social media and uh, online? You know your website. Well, my uh, my website is. Uh, if you go to my website, you'll notice that I'm probably about three books behind. Um, I noticed so that. It, it is uh, it is very old. In fact, you know, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. I kind of do that. That's more of a real-time thing for me. Right. So just look me up on Facebook, and that's probably the best place. And I've got a uh, – well, I'm easy to find. Just put in Baron Bircher or Baron R. Bircher, and you'll, you will find me. Uh, and and uh, friend me, and we can we can yap about books and all that kind of stuff. The website is baronrbircher.com. But as I say, uh, I'm I'm paying less and less attention to it. There's some fun pictures and stuff on there, but um, maybe I will update it sometime uh, in the next couple of years. <laughs> it's it's hard it's hard keeping up. That's for sure. Um, well, if you go there, you might see things like nested narratives. Um, well, yeah. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna just start saying that over and over. I might put it on a name <laughs> tag. Maybe. It's funny because I when you said that, <clears throat> I, I thought I was I thought that was really cool, and Elena pinged me right afterwards. Anyway, um, so <laughs> th- 
Thanks for stopping by. We kept you a little long because uh, you got screwed in the beginning, but you were saved having to go through the um, awkward uh, small talk before we actually go on the air. So uh, yeah, congratulations yeah, for uh, that. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome music on hold. So uh, it, it was fabulous. Hey Matt, <laughs> really I, I want to thank you very much for having me on. It's a it's a great show. I listen to it every week, and uh, you've always got great people on talking about really interesting subjects. And uh, I appreciate you lowering the bar and allowing me to show up this week. No, I think that as uh, we just learned that you raised the bar for the next guest. So uh, uh, I feel there's going to be some pressure for. Uh, <laughs> Diane Belair, who I'm going to have in three weeks, I think. Um, so anyway, appreciate well, it. I will. Um, I'm going to pick up your book at, uh, even though I have the arc at Mysterious Galaxy, and um, leave it for you to sign. If you're you're, you're starting too late because the Gator by the Bay goes pretty late, but um, oh yeah, you're going to be uh, you're going to be having way too much fun to break away. That's right. That. That's right. Um, if, if they got a squeeze box and the guy's playing spoons, I'm there. Right. I, I, me too. And, uh, and a little, uh, little alligator on a stick. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right, Matt, Baron, thank Thanks you for stopping by. I had a blast. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Very educational. Well, I, I look forward to seeing you in person uh, again soon. And uh, hey, congratulations on all your award uh, nominations and wins and all the, all the blockbuster stuff you're doing. It's, uh, it's impressive and well deserved. Ah, uh, thanks. Check is in the mail. All right, man. All right. Thanks, Baron. You bet. Okay, folks, thanks for hanging in with the uh, yet another um, interesting beginning. We got it done. Great guests with Baron. Uh, this is a copyrighted podcast solely owned by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And as I said, I'll have Diane Valera on. I think it's going to be on uh, uh, May 25th. I think that's three weeks from tonight. Have a good week. And 